edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. David, I have a, a little joke here for you. How, or um, <laughs> I thought of this this morning. Sometimes I, sometimes I crack myself up. I'm so <laughs> intelligent and, and witty with these things. Actually, something. A lot of times, it'll. I usually have cable news on or something on in the background, and it, it'll really impact your dreams. And since a lot of the uh, the um, the talk of the day is on the presidential race, another uh, salient business here in the great state of Georgia. We're day 32 or 33 into the legislative session. But here's my question for you. Why is it hard to tell time at a Donald Trump casino? Gee, Greg, I don't know. Why? Because all the clocks have two big hands. <laughs> What do you think about that? All the clocks have two big Get it? I I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to the prurient interest and the prurient nature of uh, the uh, the discussion and the uh, the actual. I think he really the actual devolvement of uh, uh, of what's going on. His his comment the other day uh, uh, during the debate. (laughs) You know, you asked about Kasich a minute ago. Yeah, like he said, he was the only adult there. As far as I was concerned, well, that's what I figured. I uh, I think that's kind of been the platform that he's been running on. So he uh, two fifteen. So we've got a couple great guests today. We've got um, uh, Ryan Barr from ZPolitics.com and the Baldwin County Republican Party, and also. Uh, Janelle Bova from the uh, University of North Georgia College Republicans to talk about House Bill 859, David, which is the uh, campus carry bill. Um, it's it's weird. It's all in how you ask a question, right? So the Democrats are posting uh, information saying that 75-plus percent of Georgians are against campus carry. But when I mentioned the fact that all these uh, armed robberies have happened at, in Georgia State, especially near the library, you hadn't even heard of that. But that's huge stories well, that are coming. concerns me. My son is a CPA and, and is downtown and works extremely late hours. And now especially he, in this time of year, right? He carries, uh, you know. And I, I, I tell you, it's sort of like it's sort of one of these things. And you don't want me talking, I know, but I'm talking anyway. Um, but it's sort of like people saying, oh, well, the military, my God, everybody there in, in the military, oh, yeah. you know, they should carry weapons. Well, mm-hmm. the thing is, if you haven't been there, then you don't know what you're talking about. Everybody in the military shouldn't carry sidearms by any stretch of the imagination. What they should do, if there's a very easy answer to it, and, it's a, and it applies to carrying, period, and it also applies to... Uh, to uh, carrying uh, <clears throat> on campus qualification, qualified. If you volunteer in the military to carry, then they put you. They should put you through a rigorous training, and then you get your license, military license to carry, permit to carry. Same way on campus. There's pro. I don't. I couldn't give you a number. I know where I went to school at Texas Tech. Probably ninety percent of the people there had had been around weapons from the time they were born. Yeah, you know, they, we they were learned how to shoot, we, learned how to clean yeah. guns, learned how uh, you know am, so am, ammunition works. The whole nine, right? The whole nine yards. And <clears throat> in fact, uh, we had a, we did a show yesterday. Um, uh, Daniel O'Kelly, who was with the ATF for many years, okay, uh, 
Uh, he, he was on the Dan and Dave show, and he's he has a program that's not for teaching you how to use guns, but like he said, you know, just because you have a carry license doesn't mean that you can pull it out and shoot somebody. <laughs> and even if uh, even if you're in harm's way, you still have to know. You know, you need to know what's around you. You need to know what what the circumstances mm-hmm. and the consequences can be. And it was a great, great show. And uh, So he, was, he would say that the concealed carry people need more training? They, I would they be, need oh. to be very well trained. As far as age goes, you know, I, whether it's an 18-year-old or a 26-year-old or a 30-year-old, uh, I don't have a problem with them carrying as long as they've, they've gone through They've gone through more than just going to a range and being certified that you can hit the silhouette. You need more with, than the, with the laser sighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you need something like that. And I would even go so far as to say, on a campus situation, if at all possible, that you sh- you shouldn't be at one o'clock in the morning. You shouldn't be by yourself walking to your car. Or doing, you know, particularly a girl, but uh, even guys, that you should be, you, you know, you should have somebody. Uh, you should at least be with somebody. Right. Walk each other to one car and then drive. That way, to the that other way, car. The, that way, the the criminal can rob two people at one time. Or you have a witness when you kill the son <laughs> bitch that's trying to rob it. You know, <laughs> that tr- that too. I uh, I mean, it's just the, these things hit really close to home. And when you, I, w- I went to University of Georgia, the the best uh, college town in America. But Athens actually has a lot of crime, um, a lot of street crime, a lot of petty crime, a lot of sexual assaults. Um, I I remember they were very prevalent when I was there. I can imagine, you know, the school getting bigger and Athens growing. You're just going to have more crime. They may try to uh, call it something different these days, but, um, you know, they really do encourage people to report these things, and they do show up in the facts in Athens, Georgia. And one of the things that that I just read today, David, we've had uh, craft beer uh, legislators uh, on on the show before in the fight for craft beer freedom, Senate Bill. 63 last year was trying to free up the uh, the small businesses to be able to, you know, sell a little bit of their own product or at least let the consumer leave a little bit with their own product. And it's run into a few problems. But right now in, in Athens, and this is why I was trying to segue to that, we've got out-of-control bureaucrats up there trying to threaten uh, small businesses. And, and uh, there's a, a brewery called Creature Comforts up there. And they had the gall to have a tour and give away some free samples of their beer. And the district attorney up there apparently works for Anheuser-Busch in his part-time. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want him to sue me. The guy seems kind of petulant and pedantic and a little bit sue-happy, so I certainly don't want him chasing after me. But he's uh, looking at pressing charges against them, which could uh, suspend their license and then result in a possible fine. Now, do you think they they just don't have anything better to do up in Athens than to chase after this Creature Comforts uh, brewery, uh, an award-winning brewery? They're a small brewery. I mean, they're not anything near the size of even Sweetwater. And we've got out-of-control bureaucrats chasing after them, killing the American dream. Uh, You know, back in the old days, we had this thing called civil disobedience. 
And I think that's how you're going to get laws changed. So I'm hoping Creature Comforts is able to fight this battle. I'm hoping our listeners who really do care about small business, whether or not you drink craft beer or not, it's irrelevant. This is about freedom, folks. This is about uh, releasing the regulations that do strangle small businesses. On the show before, we've talked about the average investment for some of these breweries is at least $1.8 million. The jobs that they have, they pay more than $10 an hour. They're real industrial manufacturing-type jobs. That's why the, the beer actually costs more than your ice house, which I am known to drink an ice house or three at times. I am a budget-conscious person, but I also uh, like to drink the Sweetwater 420, three taverns over in Decatur. There's also Wild Heaven. The thing with those, the breweries, the small ones is it's very expensive for a four or a six pack it can be anywhere from 9.99 to 14.99 even higher and if you don't remember what kind you sampled at the tour you may not be willing to invest you know the 18 dollars for the six or the 12 pack that you would uh with a domestic beer that you're at least familiar with right you can say you know what most of the ones i tasted at sweetwater were good But not all of them were winners. And I can't remember which one was the winner. Now, Sweetwater does have an advantage because their 420 has had such a uh, name ID and name recognition in the state. And uh, actually, probably across the country, you could say that. Definitely in the southeast. But some of these other smaller breweries, the microbreweries, they don't have shelf space everywhere. You don't have the ability to remember every single one you had at Three Taverns or Monday Night or some of these uh, other local Atlanta ones. So what I'm saying, guys, is give craft beer a chance. Let them unleash the power of manufacturing. That, and really creativity. If you think about it, some of the, the flavors that these uh, brewmasters come up with are pretty disgusting, but uh, somebody drinks it. They'll say, this is a pumpernickel with a little bit of uh, ginger snap with a mustard-based bourbon whiskey. And you're <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and they're like, taste it. It's a sour. Mmm, yummy. But, uh, in fact, we were at a uh, brick store in Decatur the other day, and there was an older couple next to me, and they had gone to University of Georgia. We were talking about Creature Comforts, and they had a sour, which was one of the many beers available at uh, Brick Store. I, we don't get paid to endorse them, but it is a fun spot. And it was literally blood red and just looked like something a vampire would drink. And they ordered them, and we were there for about an hour and a half, and they had taken about two sips each from them. So I uh, I said, not good, huh? And they were trying to put on a happy face, but I could tell that that was not the best one that Creature Comforts had ever produced. But that's beside the point. You're a Bartles and James man, aren't you? A little wine cooler and uh, whiskey? <laughs> I'm a gin and tonic. Now, I, I, okay, I you switched good, it up on me there. I had a good bottle of wine last <laughs> night, as a matter of fact. Uh, Finney? Uh, Merlot? Oh, you had a, it was a red wine? Yeah, yeah cool. Merlot. Yep. And, uh, and uh, chased it with a couple of gin and tonics afterwards. <laughs> had to have a little something with dinner. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't blame you for that. I got home last night, and Kathy was at the neighbor's. Uh, drinking some wine with our neighbor and the all the windows and the doors were opened up and I was like what happened and apparently a small uh, fire had broken out in our kitchen and she took the pan and ran outside and instead of dumping water on an electrical fire I think it was a, an oil fire anyway what she was cooking it looked like it was going to be good but it was pretty much flambéed by the time I got home 
And so she's with the neighbor, and apparently we'd had smoke detectors go off. All sorts of fun stuff at the house had happened while I was gone. And um, so we had some wine and got to meet the neighbor. You never know when you're going to have that chance the to meet the neighbor. The, well, thankfully, we were able to, to, to put the, the, the fire out beforehand. And we had a, a slightly scared South American woman, which today is International Women's Day, David, which is very celebrated. It's also Pancake Day. Is it? Is it International House of Pancake Day as well? No, not House of Pancakes. Okay. Pancake. Okay. So, but is IHOP celebrating that with free pancakes today? We need to go check it. I'm probably going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian. I'm going to go to Waffle House to celebrate that. What would you think about that? So, well, Dave, we got a great, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I have the ability to always get really, you know, good guests on the show. So today we have Ryan Barr. He's been a contributor over at uh, zpolitics.com. A huge Donald Trump fan. I'm kidding, Ryan. I know you're going to correct me as soon as you get on after our break coming up. And then we have the chair of the North Georgia College Republicans, Janelle Bova, who is nice enough to let me speak up there. Uh, I guess it's been about three or four weeks now. They had a big forum last night on this House Bill 859, this campus carry bill. And as you know, I don't or may not know, North Georgia used to be a, it used to be called North Georgia Military School. So I can imagine. The students there might have a slightly different outlook on the bill than, let's say, Barry College in Rome. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. But uh, you want to go and take our break now, and we'll be back with uh, Ryan Barr, ZPolitics.com, and the first vice chair of Baldwin County GOP. See you in a minute on Gregsus. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare. And learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. 
You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List, your home for serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Coming at you a week after Super Tuesday, which uh, I got to say was a little bit of a showed some vulnerabilities for the inevitable Donald J. Trump as our presidential campaign. And uh, our next guest, Ryan Barr, is not a big Trump fan. In fact, that might be a little bit of an understatement. Ryan, I wanted to welcome you to the show. How are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm good, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, anyway, t- you know, you've been writing a lot for uh, Z Politics lately, and um, I mean, I can definitely see the hashtag Never Trump just come, you know f- typing away out of your uh, your fingers. So what's uh, uh, with your the basically we're down to the final four in the GOP race. You know, right. tell tell me what your thoughts are on each of the candidates' strengths and weaknesses, and uh, what your outlook is for tonight and uh, next week. All right. Well, uh, obviously, I'm not a anyone who follows me on social media or on Z Politics knows I I'm not definitely not part of the Donald J Trump fan club by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. Um, I just think he's just awful and just kind of ruining things. And that's my personal opinion. That doesn't reflect you know the party or anything like that. But personally, I just think he's you know just the the worst representative that we could probably pick for the Republican Party. Um, I, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, I like Ted. I do. Um, I think, you know, he definitely is a good, solid candidate for that uh, base evangelical Tea Party wing. Um, Rubio, um, I'm a Rubio supporter, Rubio fan. Uh, so obviously, you know, I can't say enough good things about him. Uh, and I just think he's a solid candidate. And as for Kasich, I, I wish Kasich would do more because I know people are Kasich supporters, and I just feel like Kasich hasn't been out there. He's kind of been just drafting yep. this entire uh, <laughs> this entire race, right? And now he's trying to do the whole "I'm the adult in the room," but he doesn't talk about policy either. At least you get policy from Ted and from Marco, and it's inconsistent. But you get no specifics. We get policy talking points from Trump, and Kasich doesn't really talk about his policy. Uh, a lot, and I, you know, I think maybe if he talked more about his record in Ohio, he talks more about what he did 30 years ago in Congress, which I don't think helps him when there's this whole anti-establishment, anti-incumbent uh, vigor and uh, and deep guys in, in the air that saying I was in you know Congress back when Reagan was president doesn't help you. Well, I, I will say that uh, it, it, the late 90s, though, when we did have a Democrat president and, and we did have the balanced budget and we had welfare reform and we were able to hold lying Democrats like Bill Clinton accountable and at least put pressure on them, that does take us back. And that's only been about 20 years, uh, you know, during right. the contract for America. So when I got to see Kasich here uh, a couple weeks ago, in Atlanta, I was able to ask him that question, and he was it was towards the end of the, the day, a long day in Atlanta, so he was a little bit grumpy, and he told me that he wasn't going to do that because he didn't think it was wise. And anyway, it was, it was a good little interchange. We got to see kind of a real candidate at the, real, at the end of a real long day, but uh, I think right. he's changed that because I think he does need to talk about that combined with his executive experience in Ohio. Now, a lot of, maybe, maybe what he doesn't want to talk about is Medicaid experience. Because that, that doesn't really right. test well in Republican focus groups, does it? 
No, it doesn't. And also, uh, you know, they uh, Ohio adopt, was one of the early adopters of Common Core, uh, and I think that uh, you know that won't hurt. Well, that will hurt them. Uh, definitely hurt them in a primary, and might even hurt them come the general election if he have skipped the nomination. So I think, uh, and, and that's kind of what I mean, where you need to talk about his uh, record and what right. he's done in Ohio. It's like he's avoided some of these things, and um, you know, uh, Cruz gets raked over the coals for his Senate record. Uh, Rubio gets raked over the coals for his um, Senate record and his House uh, Florida House record. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. But Kasich doesn't really get, and I don't even see the media, and I think there's a lot of people, I mean, if you told me this time last year that John Kasich was going to jump in, first I'd say who, <laughs> and then secondly, I, 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 if you told me there's going to be four people standing, it's going to be Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, um, uh, Marco Rubio, and then a governor, the governor I would have picked would have not been John Kasich to be yeah. the last, one of the last men standing. So well, it's amazing I, how many governors or, or the carcasses of governors that, that Trump has been able to uh, to count. I mean, I was a big Scott Walker fan. Basically, whoever yeah. I support is destined to lose. So I uh, <laughs> I was Scott Walker, so, and then I thought then I thought Marco Rubio was the best choice, and unfortunately, Marco Mentum seems to be faltering. It's it's that old adage. Uh, I mentioned this the other day on uh, on Facebook, but um, you know George Bernard Shaw said when you wrestle a pig. The, the pig gets dirty, or you both get dirty, but the pig likes it. And I think right. we've seen um, a little bit of that when this when they got into this discussion about the hands. You know, when Marco Rubio gets up there and starts talking about little hands and big hands, he does his youth then, I think, hurts him because he does look a little bit immature when he's trying to get down to Trump's level. Now, Trump has already lowered the bar <laughs> for right. discourse in this thing. So, you know, you, I, I thought it was – I didn't think it was a bad strategy at the time, I just like to analyze no. whether or not it worked or not, and I, I don't think it well, did. Yeah, I, I think you know, we'll still see if it worked. I, I, I liked it because this whole like, you know, we're not going to get down in the mud and then and Trump was able to ro- run roughshod on everybody else in this race. I mean, everyone else has been, you know, it's like, I feel like uh, in the scene of Mean Girls, raise your hands <laughs> if you've been personally victimized by Donald Trump, <laughs> and um, you know, everyone's gotten it, you know. I'm sure yeah. I'm, there's probably my picture on a dartboard somewhere in uh, Trump HQ, um, and a lot of us are. So I, but you know, I, I like what what I like the strategy of what Rubio did by that is that you know anytime Donald Trump you know goes and bites a sandwich, CNN and MSNBC and Fox are right there like oh yeah. Donald, let's go live to Donald Trump sandwich rally, <laughs> and uh, what Rubio did by you know for two seconds of his forty five minute stump speech. You know, reading the mean tweets or something like that. Yeah, the mean tweets. I thought that. I thought that was yeah. hilarious. That was funny. So did I. But what he did was he he kept, he he got the the, the media, who's uh, in my personal opinion is completely in the tank for Trump. He, what he did was he Rubio switched gears and he said, "All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what they like. Red meat to the to the media. They get rush out to his rally and they show all 45 minutes of it on on Fox or CNN. And only two minutes of it is what the viewers at home right. are tuning in to see. Yeah." Is, Marco pushing the bully around, but then he switches real easy to policy issues and his record, all these things, which the media was ignoring, and now he has them, you know, completely captive. Yeah. I well, thought that was I mean, great, I guess I guess the problem you know? the problem I'm seeing though is he is he he won Minnesota, 
and right. Puerto Rico, which I thought it was interesting that Trump beat Cruz in Puerto Rico. That wasn't exactly broadcast by the the Cruz right. uh, clan, if you will. But um, so you know, I, I, and, and again, I'm I'm still a, a, a Rubio fan and a supporter. I just think that. Uh, you know the, the the momentum has been stymied. I, I don't think he should drop out before Florida, though, because apparently the early voting shows he's gotten a huge lead in that. So if he drops out before, he's basically disenfranchised all the people that have voted for him. So I don't think he can. Right. I don't think he should do that. I mean, I, tonight obviously some more uh, primaries. I mean, you know, Trump. The polls have been correct f- for the most part. I mean, almost every poll that shows Trump ahead big in a popular state uh, vote, it's happened that he one big, so I, I'm worried that tonight right. may... Well, the, the, the thing with, I, I think, for tonight, because I, I, I think I believe Mississippi is an open uh, primary. Yep. Um, and, and we've seen in open primary states, Donald Trump just it runs away with Clean it. Clean And yep. I think cause there's independents and Dems voting for him in those primaries. But in closed primaries, Rubio and Cruz's numbers are a lot more tighter than, than Trump's. Um, so uh, I think you're going to see some of the closed primaries tonight I think you're going to see some of those tighter numbers, like you saw over the weekend for mm-hmm. Cruz and some of the close caucuses. Also, I think Hawaii, you're going to see probably Cruz or Rubio do better there because uh, there's only one member of the state Senate in Hawaii who's a Republican, and he endorsed Ted Cruz. And then Santorum has been on the ground in Hawaii for the last 40, 24, 48 hours campaigning and doing rallies as a surrogate. Uh, and I think it's going to be kind of what I call now the Puerto Rico effect. It has nothing to do with maybe the candidate, the message, or whatever. It's like what we see in congressional politics. You show up in the one county that everybody ignores, you're going to take the county because <laughs> you're, you're showing them some love. Right. And I think, you know, Hawaii's getting seen some love from Ted and Rubio. Idaho's seen a lot of love from Rubio. I, you know, he's done three campaign stops there in the last couple of days. And that helps, I think. You know, and if you treat this like a Senate or a congressional race now, where every, you know, don't think of it as every state, but like a county in, in, in the bigger state that is the United States, mm-hmm. you show some of these back, I don't want to call them backwater, that's rude, but some of these states that we don't ever talk about in uh, primary politics. Have we ever really cared how Hawaii and Idaho have gone no. in 2012, 2008? No. Absolutely it's, not. How, how is Texas going to go? How is Florida going to go? How is Ohio going to go? Yeah, in, fa- in fact, we really go? hadn't cared about Georgia until uh, this year when uh, all of a sudden right. Georgia became uh, pretty damn exciting. Uh, so Michigan is today. Um, Kasich has kind of dumped a lot of time and, and resources in there. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger might even be in Detroit yep. for him. Can you? I'm sure you're on all the fundraising emails that I am. When you get the Schwarzenegger one, you have to be doing his voice when you read it, right? Oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I, I, I saw the, the Schwarzenegger email. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like Arnold. I really do. Um, I just, it's weird that we're at this point now where in, in this, because of, and I feel this is Donald Trump's effect on, on the primary cycle, that now where Arnold Schwarzenegger, love or hate him, his acting, what he does, governor, now Arnold Schwarzenegger and Chuck Norris have to go out and campaign for Ted Cruz and John Kasich. That we need to pull in like major star power. It used yeah. to be you pull the governor. We you just need the we need senator. we just need Carl Weathers or, or you know some other '80s star to, to come out right. and uh, you know right. really I mean, hit I'll, the ground running and make sure that America is entertained, like Russell right. Crowe would say in Gladiator. I mean, 
<laughs> I'm waiting for the Corey Hart or the Rick Astley endorsement of you know Trump or Rubio at this point. And, oh yeah, you know, not Corey uh, Haim because I think are the both Corys with us still. I can't remember. I, I, yeah. I think I, I'm not sure. I know one. <laughs> or do both? I, I believe. I, I believe both, it'll be hard for one. I think it. I think it'll be hard for one of them to endorse. I can't. I get them confused. <laughs> but uh, well, Ryan, where uh, can people find you? I know you've been uh, active and you're listed as a contributor with Z Politics. I uh, big fan of the editor over there, Christy. She's been in here to. Oh, to, uh, my, my editor over there. She, she's amazing. She's, yeah. Uh, sometimes she has to uh, pull me back a little bit. I'll. <laughs> Did she, pull, did she pull? Did she pull? she pull you back on this Mitt Romney speech that, uh, or this Mitt Romney piece yeah. that I'm reading? I, I, I think you were left uh, unleashed on that one. But we gotta, we gotta take our two thirty break, Ryan. I really appreciate you calling in. I'll have you back. You're, you've been a great guest. Insights very funny and uh, definitely, definitely a good time. <laughs> My pleasure, Greg. Thanks right. for having me. We'll see you back on Greg's. Yeah. We've got Janelle Bova from the University of North Georgia College Republican. She's the chair woman up there and uh really um i think this camp is carry bill house bill 859 it's uh going through the senate now it should be up for a vote later this week got a lot of momentum and uh there's a reason for it there's a reason that people should be allowed to defend themselves we're going to talk about that what the sentiment is on the uh, college campuses when we return on greg's list when four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on America's AmericasWebRadio.com. Running through a week after Super Tuesday, we have another Super Tuesday after a Super Saturday. Lots of super, lots of superlatives, if you will, going on. Going to localize it a little bit more, although this topic that we'll be broaching next um, certainly has national implications as well. Uh, campus carry, the ability for students uh, that, that go through 
through the proper background checks and at least a little bit of training can um, can protect themselves on campus. Controversial issue, Georgia is now right in the throes of trying to get this thing passed. Our guest right now is Janelle Bova, a friend of mine and also the chair of the University of Georgia. Uh, college, North Georgia College Republicans uh, didn't want to steal Amber Webb's job there. But uh, Janelle, welcome to Greg's List. How are you doing? And uh, it was a pleasure to have you here on the show. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, I uh, I appreciate you having me up to North Georgia uh, a few weeks ago. I really enjoyed meeting the uh, the, the college Republican chapter up there. And, uh, you know, I, again, I've told David, a lot of people may or may not know, University of North Georgia used to be North Georgia Military College. So I can imagine the, the, uh, the forum that you guys had last night, it looked like from the pictures it was very well attended. Um, the, the sentiment at your school, can you, can you tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, the bill, what it would allow, because I know you've been working uh, at the State House, so you probably have a lot of intel on that, and also what kind of the sentiment that you're hearing from, from college students, because I think that's the most important focus group for us to be worried about. Right, absolutely. So basically what House Bill 859 does is it allows um, students with a concealed carry permit to carry um, their weapons concealed um, on campus. However, it does prohibit them from having um, concealed weapons in sporting arenas and in student housing. Um, Have to, you know, do a little give and take, make both sides happy. Um, At North Georgia, we, in that room that we had our forum yesterday, uh, there are about 115 people there yesterday, which is fantastic. It's <laughs> um, amazing. A majority of the room was in support of the bill, and then there were there were others there that were on the fence, and then there were some there that were completely against it. Okay. A lot of times when we find people that are against it is because you know they they don't believe that you know that there's no training that's not mandatory and that kind of stuff. But it is our hope that people who take it upon themselves to conceal a weapon and carry a weapon with them is that they have taken the gun to the range and they've learned how to shoot it and they, mm-hmm. they know exactly how it works. Um, the other fear that we talked about was that um, as soon as this bill gets passed, everybody on campus is going to have a gun. Mm-hmm. And that's not true at all. You're only going to have a solid handful of people who actually bring their gun onto campus. It is concealed. Um, there are several other states that have this similar legislation, um, Colorado being one of them, and there's only been one incident in the last 13 years that they've had this, and it was actually an employee, not a student. Hmm. So the staffs are always on our side as far as campus carry decreasing the amount of violent crimes on school campuses. Yeah, and y'all are, y'all are uh, you know, North Georgia's up in Dahlonega, a beautiful small town, done a lot with the downtown area, but it's a pretty rural area, and when I went uh, up there a few weeks ago, it was very, it was nighttime, you know, in Georgia, night falls about 6 p.m., it's very dark, very early, and, uh, you know, it was a pretty busy campus, but there was certainly the potential for people to be lurking around. Now, I, I would certainly, if I was a predator, I would not choose North Georgia <laughs> as the school <laughs> to... Uh, try to uh, get away with anything. There are far easier schools like Georgia State, <laughs> like downtown right. at the library yeah. where we've had probably the same guy rob several students at gunpoint, stealing laptops left and right. And uh, Georgia State, for all the great work they've been doing downtown, it's, you know, you work at the Capitol, it's it's a little bit sketchy there after dark. So I would think that that campus, especially, and University of Georgia, especially as spread out as, as that is, that should be quite popular on those 
campuses. Have you heard from any students there? I have not um, really reached out. I do know that places like the University of Georgia have had a campus carry forum um, with Representative Quick. I'm not sure how that went. I'm not really sure where they stand. Mm -hmm. But I do know that this is a bill that is more geared towards the non-traditional students and to the students that go to schools like Georgia State and Georgia Tech, especially those two being right here in the heart of Atlanta. Right. It's it's not, especially those non-traditional students who show up late and leave super late and it's dark and it's sketchy. Those are the times when if a student feels that they need to be protected and need to have a way to protect themselves, they should have that opportunity. And that's exactly what this bill will do. Yeah, and so in the in the state house, it obviously passed the house. It's in the Senate now. Uh, I believe it's slated for a uh, a floor vote later this week. Um, I'm sure y'all are getting uh, inundated. I see it's it's very busy on Twitter. That and the religious freedom seem to be the biggest controversial bills uh, going on right now. Obviously, medical marijuana is in there too. But uh, from what I'm seeing, the Democrats do not like campus carry at all. To me, my argument to the Democrats is it's a deterrent if just having the the possibility that a student that you're about to rob or do worse to has a gun that deters crime in and of itself um is that some of the arguments that you think are very are prescient against the uh the left's attack on uh on on civil liberty i mean a, a lot of a lot of the you know the left side, you know, they're they're always for more gun control and more gun regulations, and um, they are most certainly wanting some kind of mandatory training, and that's just not necessary. Um, if there was data to prove that mandatory training was necessary, that would be something that I'm sure the right here at the state house and in the Senate would look at, but we don't have any data for that. And a lot, a lot of what we did for this bill in our study committees was looking at all that data and making sure that this was something that was actually going to be highly effective and that we weren't just going to pass a bill that wasn't going to do anything. Um, So there is all kinds of data out there that shows that the arguments that the left tries to make are just not relevant and don't work. Right, and it seems they basically just want to have the criminals be the only ones to have campus carry from what I've read. And, and the thing is, is that with campus carry or without it, if somebody is going to rob, somebody's going to be a criminal on a campus, um, a college campus, they're going to have a gun. doesn't matter if it's legal or not, they're going to have one. So at this point, allowing students who are law-abiding citizens who have their concealed carry permit, who know, you know, can conceal their weapon on campus, you're only talking two or three people in a classroom out of 35 you're not talking 30 out of the 35 right. are going to walk in with their yeah, gun. Yeah, it's not going to be like Tombstone where everybody's carrying a gun around town. I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> it's not going to be like that at all. Um, and, you know, there are there are restrictions. You can't have it at a sporting event in the, in the arena, and you can't have it in your student housing. And, you know, that comes down to the politics of everything. You know, to get a bill to help protect people, mm-hmm. you got you got to have a little give and take. Exactly. Wanted to give a shout out to our friends in 421 listening in to this scintillating discussion. What uh, what else is on the radar that may not be on everybody else's radar? Some some bills that uh, that you might be following or hearing about that are getting some late traction. You got any good gossip for us that uh, <laughs> that you're not? It's not too confidential for our listeners. 
Well, um, we do <laughs> have a bill coming around the town about the Super Bowl tickets, mm. um, tax exemptions, and all that good stuff. So stay tuned and see if you can get some tax-free uh, Super Bowl tickets for next year. Yeah, that would be pretty exciting because we we need, <laughs> we need more giveaways to all these uh, these big companies because they just don't get enough tax breaks now, do they? But uh, yeah, um, yeah, of course. Well, listen, Janelle, I appreciate uh, you calling in today. Good luck with uh, any of the pageants that you got going on uh, personally in the next uh, few months. And I appreciate you uh, doing the work down there and spreading the uh, message up at North Georgia because clearly having that forum with the uh, the amount of people there that I saw, I mean, 115 people to come out on a uh, Monday night is, I mean, it's truly amazing that the, that the advertising and the marketing and, and the discussion was able to get and, and impact so many people. So congratulations on, on being able to pull that off. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Greg. Cool. We'll see you again. And uh, thanks for uh, for listening in today. We appreciate it, guys. We've got uh, a few more minutes on uh, on this segment. And, um, you know, the, uh, the, the presidential election, it really has taken the focus on a lot of things. In Georgia, uh, we've got a primary here coming up on May 24th. And according to the state uh, party o- o- officials, 190 Republicans qualified yesterday. It looked like... Uh, a huge line of folks that were all uh, running for office. Um, you know, we've got a couple seats in North DeKalb that right now have Democrats in it, but are Republican leaning or or Republicans should have a, a darn good shot. You know, we got House District 80, the Brookhaven one, House District District 81, which is a little bit of Brookhaven and Shambly and uh, you know the the North Lake Mall area, and those are areas where. You know, the GOP, when we run good candidates, we're going to be able to show that our message of, of fiscal uh, sanity, fiscal conservatism, and focusing on schools and limited government and limited regulation, but putting that in a tangible, measurable thing, that when we do that, we're going to be highly successful instead of, you know, running these, these scare tactics that the left does, that, that too much freedom is bad for the economy or too much freedom is bad for the person. David, I know you're a huge Bernie Sanders fan. The latest meme I saw today was <laughs> a Bernie Sanders sign in a front yard, and half of it was torn off, and it said, I saw that you had a Bernie Sanders sign, and I did not have one, so I took part of your sign. <laughs> Written that in there. Bernie is... Uh, I, I, I do think I respect him more than Hillary, though, because at least he's honest in his insanity. Right. Hillary Clinton, I think, you know, they, they've apparently granted immunity to uh, one of her aides. And they're, you know, which is good. Or the person that set up her network. Yeah. Something like that. That, I don't think that bodes well for her. Now, their campaign is trying to put a nice spin on it. But I think your prediction that, you know, Joe Biden may come riding in on the white horse to save the day maybe come into fruition because I don't think the Democrats really want to run Bernie Sanders although there are the you know the 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 the, the socialist basically the socialist Democrats which who knows what percentage of the party that is these days it's anywhere from 20 to 50 percent I could imagine they don't want I, the the rest they do have a little bit of pragmatism going on there because they know that Bernie Sanders would have a tough time winning a general unless it is against somebody that is equally as polar rising as a Donald Trump. I mean, John Kasich does very well against Clinton and uh, uh, Sanders in head-to-head polling, but he just doesn't do well on the Republican side. You know, I guess what I've been amazed at, and it's... 
<coughs> because of my old age, I suppose. But nobody's <laughs> picked up this story. There, there's a whole underlying current with with Sanders. Sanders was a flower child. Mm-hmm. Sanders goes back to the '60s. He was with Bill Ayers. He was with you know all of the stuff that was going on in the '60s when that movement a radical a radical movement yeah it had i said this or or it had been said uh back in the 60s well you would have been run out of town but it should have been it should have been squashed it should have been stomped on then as far as uh, the bill Ayers should be in jail you know, uh, there's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, they bombed the Weather yeah. Underground. They bombed federal buildings. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they call, that, be, they call that domestic terrorism, don't yeah. they? Or is it just terrorism? I don't Terror, know. It's all, the, you know, yeah. all from the same bed. Uh, but, you know, nobody's going back on Sanders and looking at his past. And, and his programs are 1960 programs that the flower children, as they were smoking their joints and burning their bras... This and is having exactly, their sex, them yeah, devil, yeah. The devil women. <laughs> but I, I, you know, there, there's a whole cult there, and nobody. I, I haven't heard a news media one bring any of that up. Have you? No, they haven't. And what is interesting about that is, uh, you, you want to take our break yeah, right before yeah. that? Let's take our final break, and then we'll discuss what is interesting about the left and their. Uh, their shameful ignoring of uh, a pretty sordid past on Sanders' side, and right now them giving Donald Trump a little bit of a free pass. Back in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We are seriously embroiled in a, a heated election. Uh, Mitt Romney, who, um, yeah, no, I liked, I like Romney. I still like him, but you know, when you're when you're trying to negotiate 
or persuade people that their support of a certain uh, candidate whose initials may be DJT, um, that they're wrong, you do not roll out the poster boy of the establishment, the one that didn't get any working class people to vote for him because of his 47% uh, remarks, which, I again, I think that <laughs> they are actually credible. I mean, they, you can look it up. Forty-five. I think the new number is 45% of people don't have any federal tax uh, burden. They pay federal taxes. They just get all of their money back. And some of them get even more back through the earned income tax credit. But don't get me started on that. We're back to Mitt Romney right now. Mitt Romney first attacks Donald J. Trump for the tax returns, which I think is just a stupid argument. I mean, what it, it really hurt Romney, and, and, and most of it was because all it was was a smokescreen. When Romney finally released his taxes and you compared his tax rate to the Obama's tax rate, it was within two to three percentage points of who's adjusted gross income uh, and had the higher tax rate. So it was a big story about nothing. But it it ate into Romney's credibility for a while. And so by them going against Trump, who has, a, <laughs> give him credit, much bigger business than uh, Mitt Romney, he's got, you know, the, uh, the TV shows. And I don't know if he's still doing the pageants or if he sold that off, but that was within the past year. That'll show up as a, a profit on the tax returns. All the real estate holdings, who I'm sure have their own LLCs, it's far more complex than, than anybody else running in pro- probably anybody in history. So by demanding the returns when that same attack was used against you, I think echoes, uh, you know, with a little bit of, of um, naivety and maybe a little bit of revenge for uh, his treatments, you know? Uh, you know, I, I think the underlying <clears> – there are two words that, that cover Donald Trump right now. Who cares? You know, everybody, you and I sitting at the table, if I were a big Trump supporter, Mm -hmm. do I really care about seeing his tax returns? No, you don't. Who cares? And I think Romney, I I don't know, you know, I listened to it. I listened to this whole spill from Utah, and (laughs) I... I'm like you. I think he shot himself in the foot much more more than he did Trump. Yeah. I mean, he he was not able to really resonate with the entire GOP base in 2012. Some of the people didn't like the fact that he was a a Mormon, which – and this idea – I hear this number thrown out that 60 million evangelicals sat at home. That's that's manure. Um, (laughs) We're still a family program here, so I can't say what I really wanted to say there. But I think you got the gist of it, right? And so, you know, somebody that didn't really resonate, Donald Trump has a point. Mitt Romney should have won that election. By Mitt Romney going soft uh, on Trump or on Obama during the last couple months, uh, not pursuing the Benghazi um, cover-up and fiasco and not pursuing a lot of the other scandals that the Obama administration has been embroiled in. It's been one scandal after another. People lost a lot of respect for him. He's been, you know, pretty quiet in this, um, you know, the past three to four years. Hasn't done a whole lot. Neither has George W. Bush. Both of them have kind of emerged in the past few months, though, because they've been concerned uh, by the rise of Donald Trump, by the rise of this anti-establishment sentiment. And I would say that they are partially to blame for the anti-establishment sentiment. 
especially George W. because he grew government with the Medicaid expansion and the the wars that the Afghanistan war was was abundant it was abundantly clear we needed to go there. The case for the Iraq war can be uh, certainly debated. So. Uh, there we are on on those, and, and then Mitt Romney with uh, Romney Care in Massachusetts, and many of his other policies. They called him Flip Flop Mitt because he had changed position so many times on issues. Neither one of them are really trusted as conservatives, and so when you have somebody with Donald Trump's previous track record where he's flip-flopped on a lot of positions, people don't really care about holding him accountable to his previous record because they like what he's saying now and they're so angry at what they perceive as an establishment of Republican cronies. You know, if Romney wanted to, and I, and I, again, I can't get into his head of even what he was thinking about, <clears throat> but if he wants to be perceived as the grand old whatever of the GOP. The deal, the deal maker, right? <laughs> but he should have come out, let me throw a, a scenario by. What if he had come out and said, look, we're facing an economic crisis, we're facing a medical crisis, mm-hmm. we're facing the terrorist crisis, and, and name four or five points and said, now, we need to get very serious. Who has had experience dealing with any of this? Who is the one that is really experienced, you know, and go through it like that? Does Do all of the candidates... What, what gives them experience? Right. Having, does owning a business give you the experience with uh, uh, world politics? Right. Uh, does owning a business give you experience with terrorists? Uh, you know, and, and pointed out different things as opposed to just, well, I'm not going to vote for Trump. He's the worst, you know. Yeah. That was that was crazy on his part. Yeah. And, 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 sh- and again. And showed no, no dignity of uh, being a diplomat, you know. Well, and that's the other thing is what I don't understand the strategy behind it because if if Mitt, if you're going to try to dissuade people that frankly are are forgetting about Donald Trump's liberal past, you're and you're going to wave somebody that wasn't the most popular Republican anyway that didn't win in 2008 uh, that didn't win in 2012, you're going to put him up there to attack <laughs> Donald Trump far more vigorously than he attacked Obama. That's going to backfire. And again, I liked Mitt Romney in 2012. I, you know, I was one of the supporters in Georgia when it wasn't cool when Newt Gingrich won the state big and Rick Santorum actually finished second in Georgia. So I, uh, you know, I was, you know, I saw that he was our best candidate at the time. I typically try to look past every small. Uh, problem that each candidate has. Some of them have much bigger problems to me. Uh, the Marco Rubio immigration gang of eight bill, that has bit really sacked him. And after he said, no, I'm, I no longer support that anymore, people still roast him for that while they forget about Donald Trump's myriad positions on being on the wrong side of issues. I think it's specifically because Donald Trump has never been elected to office that people are saying, why not? We're in a mess. What the hell else can go wrong if we vote for for him? Um, so, so there's that. I mean, you know, I asked you before the show: Is he growing on you? I do see now the inevitability of Trump. You know, people like being with a winner. So I think that uh, success tonight, uh, especially if he wins Michigan big in uh, in the face of uh, Kasich, 
And Mississippi looks like it's going to be big for them. The other states are, you know, smaller in their caucuses, very unpredictable. Uh, but then next week you have Ohio and Florida winner-take-all states. And if he wins those, it's done. It is over, my friend. I mean, when the best hope is to have some brokered convention, which is going to really piss off Republicans, if it looks like any kind of gamesmanship is being played. I mean, the reason they have conventions is to determine the president. It's only been, you know, the past decade, you know, couple of decades where it's kind of been uh, you're, known you're, beforehand. You're too young to remember the, the old days. I can uh, read. Yeah. <laughs> I read history and stuff to figure out what the hell I, to, to make I mean, sure I know were, what the hell I'm talking see, about. That, that was some of the first television, literally, you know, the 50s and uh, mm-hmm. into the into the 60s. And I guess they got, they got away from the quote-unquote conventions and, and uh, the bargaining to get uh, whoever yeah. to be the candidate. Uh, you know, and, and it was sort of a slam dunk for Eisenhower. It was sort of... Uh, I guess Nixon was the next one after Eisenhower no, lost no. to Kennedy, right? No, Nixon won. Won elected. He uh, was, well, no, no, no. Okay, so he won. He won. He, he, he was the he Republican was the nominee. Yeah. Now, how was? I don't remember that. Was that contested, or was that? Was he the unanimous non- nominee? Well, at all, they always became unanimous. Okay. After dealing and wheeling, right. and you know, and, and I guess if you look at it from one standpoint. And I never have until just, you know, the wheeling and dealing behind the the conventions. I promise you that you'll be the Secretary of State if you'll Mm -hmm. give up your support (laughs) of Joe Schmo and yada, 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 you know. Uh, that's, and, and that's that's, that's, that's called transparency. Started started the the corruption of Washington D.C. But but how far back does it go? It could go back to the day one almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's always going to be some something given for something received. Sure. I would think, especially in D.C. So you can imagine that Mitt Romney, you know, if he's able to open the door for Cruz or Rubio, or some people are calling for a Crubio 2016, which I, <laughs> you know, there's uh, the argument that Rubio is ineligible is ridiculous. Cruz, yeah, he was born in Canada. Um, I think we found that it. <laughs> Whether he's eligible or not, most Americans don't really care after Obama's uh, ordeal. But Obama was, in theory, born in Hawaii in 1962, three years, three scant years after it became a state. Some people argue if it is a state. Just kidding, Hawaii. Although I've always wondered if Dog the Bounty Hunter would be successful if he had to hunt people down in California instead of a tiny island. That would be a much different show now, wouldn't it? Do they still have that show, David? I don't. You're a big reality when TV when guy. His wife walks on one side of oh. the aisle, and it's okay. sort of yes, yes, yeah, like Guam left. tipping over, yeah. you know. <laughs> so Rubio won Puerto Rico the other night. I am hoping hoping he can flip Guam from Hank Johnson. We're going to have to see if that can happen. But uh, it looks like we're coming up towards the end of the show. Enjoyed everybody listening in today. Thank you to Ryan Barr and Janelle Bova for giving us updates on the presidential race and House Bill 859 and a little other, a little more scuttlebutt down there. We'll see you next week. As always, the replay will be on tonight, 6 p.m. Greg's List Live on AmericasWebRadio.com. Thanks, y'all. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.